Okay. So again, if you didn't get a note sheet when you came in this morning, they are over on the table here. So you can grab one of those. And we continue our study this week on what it means to be a healthy member of Christ's body. And just by way of review here, uh, the first week, which was a couple weeks ago, we looked at the necessity of what we called an every member ministry. And that was all of God's people functioning in the body according to the gifts that he has given. And then last week, Will walked you through the necessity of a church member being genuinely converted. And we felt that lesson was important at the outside because everything that we talk about moving forward is built on that premise. Uh, You must be converted first before you can, by the power of the Spirit, apply these other principles uh, that we are going to talk about today. So this morning, we're going to look at the importance of a healthy church member being an expositional listener. But before we jump into that, I want to mention first what expositional preaching is, okay? Because if we are to be expositional listeners, we want to know what expositional preaching is so that we know what we're listening for. You'll see a definition there on your handout, very short one here by Mark Dever, taken from his book, Nine Marks of a Healthy Church. And Dever defined it this way. He had more to say about it than this, but I just took this quote. Expositional preaching is that preaching which takes for the main point of a sermon the point of a particular passage of Scripture. Okay? Takes the main point of a sermon, takes as the main point of the sermon the point of a particular passage of Scripture. Now, what this implies is that in order for you to know what the main point of a particular passage is, you must understand the context in which that passage falls. Many errant and really indeed heretical views have arisen from isolating texts from their context. So in order for you to be an expositional listener, you must understand what you are to be listening for. And I really can't overemphasize the importance of understanding the Word of God in its proper context. I remember many years ago at a church that Sabrina and I attended that many Sundays I would hear Scripture being preached from the pulpit but something just wasn't lining up. Have you ever been in one of those situations before? You hear the Word of God and you're like, I don't know where how to get my finger on that, but it just doesn't sound right. right? And I was a new believer. I was converted for about a year at that point, but I, I thanked God that in, in my infancy and that He had given me enough discernment to know something isn't right here. And so the, the pastor would quote a Bible verse, and I would open my Bible, and I'd look at it, and I'd start reading the context, and then I would lean over to Sabrina, and I would say, look at the context. And she would read it, and we would be like, this is not, not good. So, you know, we, we made, you know, some comments here and there to those in leadership, and they didn't see the same way that we did, and we hung in there for a while because I was a babe in Christ, and I didn't want to think that I knew better than people who had supposedly been walking with the Lord for, for many years. But, but what, what came out of that for me was, listen, you can make the Bible say a lot of things that the Bible doesn't actually say by just picking and choosing verses. And so expositional preaching seeks to make the main point of the passage the main point of the sermon. Okay, so that's very, very important to understand. And that leads into what expositional listening is then. And you'll see here this quote and the remainder of this outline taken from Tabidi Anyabwile's book, What is a Healthy Church Member? And he says this about expositional listening. He says, expositional listening is listening for the meaning of a passage of Scripture and accepting that meaning as the main idea to be grasped for our personal and corporate lives as Christians. So we desire to have our ears trained well to listen to the Word of God rightly divided. And listen, that's not something to be taken lightly. 
there are tons of people who are walking into churches this morning who aren't really concerned whether or not the Word of God is opened and properly explained. They are concerned with checking off the church box from their to-do list and are hoping to hear something entertaining during their time. But listen, God's people, that is those, as Will mentioned last week, who are genuinely converted, are longing to hear the Word of God properly preached. And I hope that characterizes you this morning. I hope that would define you. And so to kind of whet your taste buds for the need to be diligent in being an expositional listener, I want to remind you of the power of God's Word by first looking at a passage in Ezekiel chapter 37. So just by way of introduction here, let's go to Ezekiel 37. I'm going to ask for assistance in reading this. Ezekiel 37, and if I can have somebody read for us verses 1 through 6. Okay, good. Thank you. And then I want you to notice, so, so you read that passage, right, and you see life coming here. And here is the command given to the prophet. Say these things. Right? So you have this picture, this valley of dry bones. Speak these things, and as you speak them, I'm going to cause something to happen. And then notice at the beginning of verse 7. So I prophesied as I was commanded. Right? So there wasn't this debate with, I don't really think this is going to be the way to do this. Right? I, th I have a better way, Lord, of doing this. No, I prophesied as I was commanded. There was no hesitation there on Ezekiel's part. That is complete trust in the word of God that God alone will do what seems impossible to do and he will do it through the word of God spoken. And he continues here, if somebody can pick up there in verse 7 and read down through verse 14. So I prophesied as I was commanded and as I prophesied there was a sound and behold a rattling and the bones came together bone to its bone. And I looked, and behold, it was, there were sinews on them, and flesh had come upon them, and skin had covered them, but there was no breath in them. And he said to me, prophesy to the breath, sorry, prophesy to the breath, prophesy, son of man, and say to the breath, thus says the Lord, God, come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe on these slain, that they may live. So I prophesied. And he, as he commanded me, and the breath came into them, and they lived and stood on their feet, an exceedingly great army. Then he said to me, Son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. Behold, they say, our bones are dried up, and our hope is lost. We are indeed cut off. Please, through 14. Therefore prophesy and say to them, Thus says the Lord God, Behold, I will open your graves and raise you from the graves, O my people, and I will bring you into the land of Israel. And you shall know that I am the Lord when I open your graves and raise you from the graves, O my people. And I will put my spirit within you, and you shall live, and I will place you in your own land. Then you shall know that I am the Lord. I have spoken, and I will do it, declares the Lord. Amen. So just a, a beautiful picture there. And you see the power of God's word here displayed by, by bringing people out of their gate 
out of their graves, bringing Israel back, right? Obviously, in a, in a sense here, bringing them back into their land. They, they had lost all hope, and, the word, and God is saying to Ezekiel, it's the word of God, through the word of God, you will do what I alone can do, and you will resurrect these people. And so I hope that encourages you as you see this, and you've probably seen this in your own life. I hope you have where the Word of God just powerfully works in your heart and causes you to believe the promises of God. And I hope that whets your appetite when you come into church on a Sunday morning, that that is your expectation, that God is going to do something great in my heart this morning as His Word is opened and faithfully proclaimed. I hope there's an anxiousness that you have to come and hear the Word of God properly preached, that there would be an excitement and an expectation about what God is going to say to us through his word. Okay, so I want to look now at what are the benefits of expositional listening. So let's take a look here at number one. And if I can have somebody read that for us, number one, under what are the benefits of expositional listening? It cultivates, how many of you can speak from that experientially, that you've seen that in your life? When the Word of God is opened and properly explained, it creates a hunger within you for more, right? I want to look at a few passages here that deal with this. Look at Psalm 19, verses 7 through 10 up here on the, up on the overhead. If I can have somebody read that for us. It's okay. More to be desired, and they are more to be desired are they than gold, even much fine gold. Sweeter also than honey and dripping of the honey. Okay. Thanks, Jess. Notice here, I want to walk back through this with you and notice the things that are said about the Word of God here. The first point there, reviving the soul. How many times have you opened the Word of God and you're reading through a passage? And the Lord is just stirring within you a great work in your own heart, right? Reviving the soul. The testimony of the Lord is short. Making wise the simple. How many times you open the word of God and you read it in its proper context and God gives you wisdom to know what to do in certain situations. The precepts of the Lord are right. Rejoicing the heart. How you feel the joy of the Lord when you open the word of God. Right? All of these things are the response to the Word of God rightly understood. The Word of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. How many times you've read through passages, and you're like, I've read through this passage like 50 times, and I'm just seeing this now. Right? How did I miss this all this time? Right? That's the power of the Word of God. And so then, what's the proclamation of the psalmist based on what the Word of God does? More to be desired are they than gold, even much fine cold, sweeter also than honey and drippings of the honeycomb. Okay, the proclamation is there, give me the word of God and nothing else. Give me the word of God. I love it. It is pleasant to me. It is sweet to me. And indeed, it cultivates a hunger the more you read it. It's that paradox of the Christian life, isn't it? Jesus is the bread of life. We come to Him and we eat. And we're satisfied, but we're wanting more always, aren't we? Right? It's like when you eat something really good. You're like, that was really good. I want more of it. Right? That's satisfying, but I want more because it's so satisfying. Christ is infinitely greater than that. 
So he's the one that you come to and you never hunger again in the sense of wanting to go elsewhere, but you're always hungering more for him as he reveals himself to us in his word. Here's another passage for you, Psalm 119, verses 72 and also 103. So I can have somebody read that for us. Okay, is that, your, is that your testimony when you think about the Word of God, right? It's better to me than thousands of gold and silver pieces. Keep all of the riches of this world and give me the Word of God. How sweet are your words to my taste, sweeter than honey to my mouth. I love that last phrase. How sweet are your words to my taste, sweeter than honey to my mouth. You have the psalmist in Psalm 34, 8 says, Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Well, how do you taste? How do you taste and see that the Lord is good? Well, look back at Psalm 119, verse 103. How sweet are your words to my taste. How do you taste and see that the Lord is good? Through His Word. Okay. Through His Word. And all of us have been there to one degree or another. Another passage is Proverbs 16, 24. Somebody can read that for us. How much more the Word of God? I mean, these are gracious words that we could share with one another. But where is the true sweetness? It's when we're sharing the Word of God with one another, right? Not giving our own wisdom to each other. It's the Word of God rightly spoken to our souls. And then Matthew 5, 6. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Okay? So... One of the benefits of expositional listening is that it cultivates a hunger for God's Word. I remember uh, a friend inviting me to his, to his church some years, uh, a few years back, and I'd been sitting under expositional preaching at that point for probably five or so years. So I'd just gotten used to expositional preaching continuously. And I didn't really realize it. I didn't realize the blessing I had of constantly sitting under expositional preaching until I went and visited my friend's church and one of my good friends. Um, but they didn't really open the Word of God at, at the church service. I remember Spring and I looking around and nobody had their Bibles and there was really no word given from the pulpit. It was just kind of wisdom for the day type of mentality, and I just remember leaving just feeling that was just a waste of time. I, I mean, I, I didn't say it in those blunt terms to my friend, but what profit is it to gather together with the people of God if the Word of God is not being opened and explained? And so there was a great, it was a good reminder for me of the blessing of being able to come in week after week after week, and to hear the Word of God opened and explained. Right? Don't take that for granted. That is not happening in many places. So we thank God uh, for that as we're able to hear it. Okay? All right, any other thoughts there on number one, cultivating a hunger from the for the Word of God, perhaps your own personal experience? Their, their, their appetite has been spoiled with 
uh, I guess going with the taste thing, candy in a sense. Yeah. They like candy and junk food. Right. But when it's time to eat the Word of God, um, they just can't handle it. Right. And so I see the bad of uh, just, it, it's sort of a bad thing what's going on out there that uh, expositional preaching is not happening. Yes. So, uh, we want to amen that. Yeah. Amen. And I'd like to add, going back to your opening, I'm sure about expositional preaching, if you ever waste your time letting a JW talk to you, mm. they will take things out of context constantly right. to get their point across. Absolutely. Absolutely. Jim. Yeah, in, in, in my uh, ministry, I've had occasion to be in many churches, and something I'd like to point out is that whether the churches do a good job or a bad job of expositional preaching, they all say that we are the church that is preaching the Word of God, and there aren't many others doing it. Right. And that's why this lesson is so important, because it's not what the church says about their preaching right. that's right. important, but it's what you observe as you listen expositionally. Right. In other words, the proof has to be in the pudding. Yeah, yeah, amen. Good point. Good point. Yeah, amen. Four? Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Yes. Yep. And we're going to actually, that's one of the points on here. We're going to dive into that a little bit. Further. No, it's perfect. That's a good segue. Too bad it's not my next point, but it is a point forthcoming. Okay. Good, good comments. Thank you guys for that. Uh, okay, number two there on your notes. Uh, it, help, it helps us to focus on God's will and to follow Him. And what, what we're talking about here is that our agenda becomes secondary. What we think we need is addressed by the Word of God as to what our needs really are. So God reorders our priorities and points us in the direction that most honors and glorifies Him and is most beneficial for our own souls. And I think you can probably testify how you've seen the Word of God uh, work in your heart in that way. You think, this is the need that I have, and the Word of God comes in and exposes it at a deeper level. It's like, oh, that was just a symptom, actually, of a greater need that I had. Okay, so it helps us to focus on God's will and to follow Him. Here's where my confidence lies in the preaching of the Word of God. Jesus says in John 10, 27, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. Right? My sheep hear my voice. Okay, so I trust that the Word of God is sufficient to lead the people of God. Okay, because Jesus testifies right here, My sheep will hear my voice. So, for example, in the situation that Will was bringing up, I've been in a similar situation as well. My confidence in that situation lies in the fact that I want to just faithfully continue to teach the Word of God because I know if they're genuinely Christ's sheep, they're going to follow Him. Even though if they don't understand all of it in that one time, you probably can experience that as well if you came out of just some shallow teaching and you came to really understand the Word of God. It was hard to really grasp when you're first hearing it, right? But... 
His sheep hear his voice. He leads them. He guides them. And he does so through his word faithfully proclaimed. So listening to the voice of Jesus in his word is vital to following him, right? If you're going to follow him, you need to know what he says. And this goes into Matthew 28, verses 19 and 20. If somebody can read that for us. Okay, good. Notice that last part in particular. Teaching them, okay, so teaching is happening. Teaching them to observe or obey all that I have commanded you. Okay, so you need to be opening the Word of God and teaching people what the Word of God says if you are to genuinely make disciples of Christ. If they are to be disciples of Christ, they must know the Word of God. That won't come any other way. Okay, so we have to be faithful in opening the Word of God and explaining it clearly so that the people of God can understand the will of God as revealed in His Word and follow Him. Okay, all right. Let's look at number three here. This kind of picks up on what Forrest was mentioning earlier. Another benefit of expositional listening is that it protects the gospel and our lives from corruption. Okay. Paul gave this command to Timothy in 1 Timothy 4.16. Somebody would like to read that for us. Keep a close watch on yourself and on the teaching. Persist in this, for by doing so you will save both yourself and your hearers. Okay. Keep a close watch on it, on yourself and on the teaching. Keep a close watch on what you're teaching. Persist in this. Why do you think that's important? Why would he tell him to persist in this? Right. Very good. Okay, so there's persistence means there's going to be some type of resistance, right? If you have to persist in something, there's going to be obstacles to overcome, as Forrest was saying. Okay, there's going to be a temptation to divert from the faithful teaching of the Word of God, which he picks up later in 2 Timothy 4 that we'll get to here in just a little bit. But it was necessary for Timothy to keep a close watch on the teaching Listen, so that his hearers would be helped rather than hindered in any way. But we also know, and this picks up on Forrest's point earlier, that we as listeners need to keep a close watch on what is taught as well so that not, we're not led astray due to our lack of diligent study and we don't become easy prey for false teaching. Okay? The point, the uh, passage that Forrest was referring to earlier it's here in Acts 17, verses 10 and 11, if somebody can read that for us. The brothers immediately sent Paul and Silas away by night to Berea. And when they arrived, went into the Jewish synagogue. Now these Jews were more noble than those in Thessalonica. They received the word with all eagerness examining the scriptures daily to see if these things were so. Okay, so what a great testimony, right? They received the word with all eagerness. They were ready to hear the word of God, but they just didn't accept it at face value. They examined the scriptures daily to see if these things were so. Okay, so I just heard Paul say this, and I'm going to line it up against the rest of the scripture. Does this hold? Right? Is this true? And that's the responsibility that we have as listeners, is to examine what is being taught to see if it lines up with the Word of God. And the reason for that is because of this. Jude 3 and 4. Beloved, 
Although I was very eager to write to you about our common salvation, I found it necessary to write appealing to you to contend for the faith that was once for all delivered to the saints. Now here's the, here's the purpose. For certain people have crept in. Okay? So it's not the world necessarily that we're having issues with in and of itself. Certain people have crept in unnoticed, who long ago were designated for this condemnation, ungodly people who pervert the grace of our God into sensuality and deny our only Master and Lord, Jesus Christ. When you put down your guard of expositional listening, you become prey for those who have crept in unnoticed and who begin to pervert the Word of God and you don't even know it's being perverted because you're not familiar with the word and what it says. So we have that responsibility. Peter says something very similar here in 2 Peter 2, verses 1 and 2. If somebody could read that for us. Okay, so you have the same mindset here. These false prophets will secretly bring in destructive heresies, right? If you don't know the Word of God, you're not going to be able to detect what those heresies are. And notice that last phrase. That's frightening. Many, many, many will follow their sensuality. Right, absolutely. Right. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Yep. So we've got to be on guard here because we don't want to be numbered, in that many will follow after their sensuality. So there's the need. I, I hope you can see from these passages that the failure to listen expositionally has disastrous effects on congregations and individual believers. False teachers are seeking to enter the church and hinder the faithful preaching of God's word and his gospel. So we have to be diligent in our listening well. Additionally, where we cultivate the habit of expositional listening, we guard our own hearts against having itching ears and turning aside to falsehood. And this was the passage that I was referring to earlier. Paul exhorts Timothy with, I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead, and by his appearing and his kingdom. Okay, here's the charge, Timothy. Preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. If everybody leaves your church, Timothy, because you're opening the Word of God and faithfully expositing it, better to have no church than a church filled with false converts. For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. We must guard ourselves as we listen to the Word of God. Guard our hearts against these things. And that's the benefit of listening to expositional preaching and understanding what you're listening for, is that you guard yourself from being those who just hear what they want to hear. Yes. I remember when um, Dr. Burris first started down in Haiti and, and started teaching these young men. And we asked him one time, we said, well, Jim, what were they, what were they, they called themselves pastors and people were going to church. What were they listening to if they had no real pastor? And he said, well, they would get um, CDs or cassettes and they were listening to 
Joel Osteen, maybe one Sunday, maybe one Sunday they'd listen to Benny Hinn, or they they had no no set doctrine. They just listened to these things, and people were being taught heresy. I mean, they would listen and think these things were great. So right. this is what's so wonderful about having these men now taught truth. Yes. They're being charged to teach your congregations the truth of God's word. Yeah, absolutely. But it's it's everywhere. I mean, you see on te- television where six million people turned out because the Pope went to the Philippines. Right. And they're chasing him and kissing his hands and weeping and and you know some of our largest churches in America are teaching heresy. Yes. Yeah. And, and you weep for these people. You yeah. see them. It brought tears to Stacy and I's eyes when we saw these people chasing after this. Man. Yeah, absolutely. Um, no doubt. Amen. Thank you for that, Julene. Yeah, I know that your kind of your theme verse, Dr. Burr, is hanging over your ministry is 2 Timothy 2 2, which says, And what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. So that's the thrust of what we're getting at, what we desire to see happen, is the faithful exposition of the Word of God and for the congregation to be so well trained. And I hope that's the case with you. That would bring nothing, no, no greater joy to the pastors of this church than to know when you hear false doctrine, you can detect it because you're so accustomed to the real, right? You've, you've been sitting underneath the faithful teaching of word, the Word of God for so long that when you hear error, you can detect it, and you can guard your own soul and also those that are around you. You can help point out those errors, not in a puffed-up way, but as Jolene said, because you care about their souls and where they're headed. Okay, all right. Any other thoughts there on number three? Dr. Bruce? Yeah, uh, to go along with your point, um, in my uh, second pastorate, uh, First Baptist in Chesterton, Indiana, um, one Sunday, a family walked in who had never been there before, husband, wife, son, all dressed up in proper church attire, all holding a Bible, marched in, sat down near the front. And uh, so as, I, as the pastor, I visited them, called on them, and they just said, we're just looking for a new church. And they came for about three or four weeks, and everybody in the church just loved them. They thought they were the nicest new people. And then I started overhearing the conversations that they were having with the church members after the service, and they were pushing an agenda of a doctrine that is a false doctrine and mm. clearly against the doctrinal position of our church. And so I went and talked to them again, and they tried to avoid it, hide it, cover it up. But with enough pointed questions, it finally revealed that they were from a different doctrinal perspective mm. on heresy. Mm. And so I told them that they were not allowed to talk about that in the church with the church members. And so they said, well, we have freedom of speech. And I said, well, not in our church, you know. <laughs> <laughs> right. They got all mad and said, well, we're never coming again. And they never came anymore. Mm. And, and people would say, well, what happened to that nice family? Right, right, right. And see, this is the thing that I try to point out, uh, and I think you did, with the false teachers. They don't come in breathing fire with thorns and right. tail. Yep. They don't come in and say, hi, I'm a false teacher, and I'm here to ruin your <laughs> Right, right, right. That wouldn't be very acceptable. <laughs> right, right, yep, but absolutely. They come in as the nicest people you will ever know. Right, right. And that's when they start doing their yes. work. Yes, That's why they creep in. Yes. They don't come in banging a drum. Yes, amen, amen, amen. Very good. All right, let's go on to uh, number four here. Benefits of expositional listening, it benefits the gathered congregation. Well, how so? How does expositional preaching and therefore expositional listening benefit the gathered congregation? Well, it makes us unified and of one mind. In other words, there's no guesswork on what we believe 
about the gospel, for example, or how a person comes to Christ when we're looking at the same passage in context, rightly divided. Um, let, me, let me say that undoubtedly members in the congregation vary in their maturity and understanding of the word, but expositional listening provides the platform for a greater sense of unity, which is what we are called to throughout the scriptures. And I just want to point out a few exhortations that we see. Uh, Paul's letter to the Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 1.10, I appeal to you, brothers, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree, and that there be no divisions among you, but that you be united in the same mind and the same judgment. I'm going to go through these rather quickly. Romans 12.16, live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. So that aspect of living in harmony with one another, how are we to do that? Well, when we understand the word of God correctly together. 2 Corinthians 13, 11, Finally, brothers, rejoice, aim for restoration, comfort one another, agree with one another. Live in peace, and the God of love and peace will be with you. And 1 Peter 3, 8, Finally, all of you have unity of mind. Sympathy, brotherly love, a tender heart, and a humble mind. So you can see these exhortations that are given throughout the scripture about this aspect of unity of mind, a singularity of mind. We saw it last week in the sermon that I preached on Philippians 1, 27 through 30, that aspect of being of the same mind, of the same accord. And that's the benefit of an expositional listening, is that we're hearing the word of God together, we're learning together, we're understanding together. Okay? And then number five there, just, uh, just an encouragement there. Uh, it encourages faithful pastors. It encourages faithful pastors. I can't tell you that effect that it has on me, and I'm sure the other elders would agree with this as well, when we hear about what the Lord is teaching you as you faithfully listen to His Word. A hungry congregation desirous for the truth of God's word is a great catalyst for a pastor to be faithful in his study and the proclamation of the word of God. It's not the only thing because the pastor is called to be faithful whether or not uh, we saw that in 2 Timothy, but it is a great catalyst for a pastor who desires to be faithful in his study and, and proclamation of the word of God. Stacy, were you going to wow. chime in on something? Good pastors that uh, got away from them at the congregation went the other way, like Jim just mentioned, and the church got away, and pastors walked out the door with their tail between their legs. Yeah, yep. And that's really sad when you hmm. see that. So it encourages faithful pastors when they have faithful servants. Amen. That's right. That's right. Amen. Amen. All right, with a few minutes remaining here, let me just give you a couple of thoughts on how you can cultivate the habit of expositional listening. The first one there is to meditate on the sermon passage sometime throughout the week. And one of the blessings of expository preaching is that you pretty much know where the next sermon is coming from. Even if you don't know exactly where he might stop on this verse or that verse, if you look at it, you can probably determine precisely where uh, that is going to going to fall. And if you don't know, you can always call into the church office and ask Gail and just say, hey, where is Pastor Jack going to be this week? Because by midweek, you know, he knows exactly to what verse he's going to be going to. And uh, that gives you opportunity. And, and meditating this way really helps you to prepare your heart for what will be expounded on that upcoming Sunday. So your heart's already attuned, right, to ready to listen to the Word of God that's going to be opened and expounded on that upcoming Sunday. Uh, second there is invest in a good set of commentaries. I threw a couple of uh, websites on here that are a good place to chase down commentaries from. Uh, Monergism.com in particular has tons of commentaries online uh, that you can just read uh, online. There's a lot of really, really, really good stuff. It's a site that I reference uh, quite frequently, and even if they don't have it directly on the site, uh, you can track it down uh, somewhere as well. Uh, Ligonier.org is another good one. If you just type in commentaries there, Keith Matheson some years ago 
put out a list of commentaries that he enjoys. And you can kind of sift through those. Some of them are a lot more technical. Like if you don't understand Greek and stuff like that, it's a little more tough to wade through. Uh, but there's a lot of just good um, application type of commentaries on there also. So those are, those are a couple good uh, places to start. We can talk more later if you want to about that. But a good set of commentaries is very beneficial uh, to have. Number three there is attend Sunday night flock meetings. A couple of years ago, we recognized the need to think through the morning sermon more deeply. And so if you have been with us for a few years, you remember that we moved away from a book study on Sunday nights to a discussion about what was preached that morning. And it's been a great blessing. I've thoroughly enjoyed that. And I think that those who attend would agree. And what happens, if you're not familiar with the uh, flock meetings, it, is it really gives us the opportunity to dig a little deeper, to ask some pertinent questions, maybe some questions that arose in your mind as the sermon was being preached. Whoever preached the sermon, you can come back that night and have a little time of Q&A and ask some questions about that. And also it helps us to think about how, how do we apply this to our lives? What's this going to look like as we step out into the world on Monday. And I, I'm very well aware that not everybody can make it to these groups on Sunday nights due to various reasons. But if you're able and you're just not coming, then I really want to encourage you to take advantage of these times of, of fellowship. And for those of you who are unable to make it for whatever reason, I would encourage you to make it a point to get together with others after the morning service, maybe for lunch, and discuss what you heard in the sermon. That's another good way is to get together with other believers and talk about the sermon that you heard. Maybe go back over the points and think through that a little bit uh, because we don't want to be uh, what we see here in number four and that is those who are not applying what we have heard, right? You don't want to just become a professional expository listener, right? If it's not affecting your life, what good is that is James 1, 22 through 25 says, But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. For he looks at himself and goes away and at once forgets what he was like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. So we want to make sure that we don't just stop with hearing the, the sermon well or listening well. We want to apply, and one way to do that is to get together with others and talk about what you have, what you have heard and to, to think through that, okay? All right, let me finish up with this last one here, which is pray. Pray, right? I love Psalm 119. Here's the psalmist converted, and here's his prayer. Open my eyes, that I may behold wondrous things out of your law. That's a constant prayer of mine when I open the Word of God, right? Open my eyes, that I may behold wondrous things out of your law. Sometimes, if you're honest, you open the Word of God and you don't have as much zeal for the Word of God as you know you should have or maybe that you have had in times past. And so I'm saying, and the psalmist is saying, more importantly, I know there's wondrous things here. Open my eyes to behold it, Lord. Open my eyes. Whatever's clouding my vision, my own sin, whatever it may be, open my eyes that I may behold wondrous things out of your law. Down in verse 27, Make me understand the way of your precepts and I will meditate on your wondrous works. You see how these are prayers? Make me understand the way of your precepts. Right? It's a plea. Do that, Lord. Make me understand. As I open your word, as I go into the service this morning and I hear the word of God preached, make me understand the way of your precepts. Okay? Verses 33 and 34, can somebody read that for us? Psalm 119. And these are just great prayers as you're coming into the service, aren't they? Right? There's just this plea, teach me. 
Teach me the way of your statutes, O Lord. Give me understanding. Right? So there's just this dependence. There's this humble dependence that the psalmist has. Right? I'm coming to hear your word. I need assistance as I hear it. Right? Psalm 119, verse 73. Your hands have made me and fashioned me. Here's another one. Give me understanding that I may learn your commandments. Right? Just this constant refrain all throughout this psalm. Verse 124 here in Psalm 119. Deal with your servant according to your steadfast love and teach me your statutes. Okay, so you can just see one right after another. Go back and read Psalm 119 if you haven't read it in a while. You just turn these into prayers as you're coming in to hear the word of God. Make these your prayers. Make this the cry of your heart. And and hopefully what you can see again here is just this this humble, dependent attitude that we see being expressed in these verses. And we need to make them our own if we're able, if we're to be the type of people that we ought to be for the glory of God. So we yield ourselves, open my eyes, give me understanding, make me to know your statutes, Lord. Teach me as I come in. And then teach me to obey what I have heard. Okay? All right. Any closing thoughts here with a couple minutes that we have remaining? right 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 you're welcome yeah amen very good okay well let's go ahead and uh and close out in prayer father we thank you again for this time together and we thank you for your kindness to us in giving us your word oh lord we we pray that you would Help us to develop the heart of the psalmist that we have seen. That we would be those who could testify that your word is sweeter than the honeycomb and it's more to be desired than gold. Yes, much fine gold. Help us to be that people, Lord, and make us dependent upon you. Help us to be those who cry out, give us understanding. Give us insight. Open our eyes. May we be constantly found just begging for grace, Lord, for you to do a great work within us. And we are confident that you will answer. You delight to answer those prayers, Lord, so we can be confident in praying for them. So help us now, Father, we pray, as we go into the service to hear the word of God preached. Open our eyes that we may behold wondrous things from your law and give us grace to do what we learn for your glory and for our good. We thank you for it in Christ's name. Amen.